So we do continue with the sermon series from Matthew. So on the front of your bulletins is the passage you're reading. It's Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Again, this is the Sermon on the Mount. So what, the only thing that Jesus has, has said so far in this sermon is the Beatitudes, which are, you know, ten things to be. Uh, and in many ways, this is a continuation of it, but Jesus will now do a little something different. He's going to use metaphor, salt, and light. Keep those two words in your mind, salt and light. But let's let Jesus speak for himself. So from Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it in, on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and by your Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So, salt and light. Let's talk about salt. Because I'm sure that uh, the thing that we are much more aware of, actually, is probably the part that's about light. I mean, as we read it, how many of you thought of this little light of mine, right? This little light of mine, right? Hide it under a bushel? No, right? That's where it comes from. But Jesus doesn't just do a thing about light. He does a thing about salt and light. And there is a connection between the two. At least I think there is a way that if you analyze the salt, you understand why the light matters. So let's talk about the salt, okay? What is salt? Taste. Yes? Good? Any other one you want to jump in? It's, it's a flavor maker, right? We add it to food to give it flavor, including, and this will come up a little bit, sweet things. We actually add salt to things that are sweet because it brings out the sweetness, right? All right, what else? Preservative. Preservative, exactly. And this is a big one in the ancient world, right? How do you preserve food so that they last longer? You douse them in salt. You ever had uh, a salt uh, kept meats? Have you ever had it? They're absolutely horrible. They are like so much salt. But yes, I remember <clears throat> hunters uh, sharing this with me as a kid. Whoa. But that's how you preserved it. What else? It was a really big one. It was in the prayer. Snow. What? Snow melter. A snow melter. Okay, yes, a snow melter. A mineral. Right, and a mineral for what? Yep. Uh, what I'm looking for is, you understand, you have to have salt in your body. That you cannot live without sodium. You don't need a lot of sodium, but you need sodium in your body. Otherwise, your muscles will not work correctly. Okay, so keep that in mind. Salt is really, really important. Um, and as Jesus says, and by the way, what Jesus says here is he's actually picking on, up on an Aramaic proverb. You know, we have proverbs in the Bible, but those are Jewish proverbs. Uh, this, was, this is more general, almost like if you've ever had, you know, things in your head like from Ben Franklin that kind of everybody knows, you kind of throw out these little proverbial things. This is what it was, salt. You need salt. 
And if it loses its saltiness, which they didn't understand the chemistry of the time, but if it loses its sodium, it will not flavor, it will not preserve, and it will be the thing that your body needs that it won't get. Okay? So it's no good if you don't have it. Okay? That's one part of the metaphor. The other part, the other thing about salt we need to realize, though, is uh, you only need this much, right? This much. I've been doing a lot of baking for the upcoming dinners because I said, you know, I, I would do the desserts. So I've been baking a lot of sugar cookies. It, the whole point is that I have to watch all these videos all the time for my online class. And so if I don't want to fall asleep, I need to be doing something while I'm doing it. So I said, let me do the baking. I will bake all these sugar cookies. And I, all right, so we started. There's a bunch in the freezer already. Uh, and I've got two or three recipes I've been working with. Here's what I learned. And bakers in the room already know this, but if you're not a baker, hear us out, okay? Every one of those recipes is going to take about three cups of flour, about a cup of sugar, a cup of butter, which is why these things need to get out of my house as soon as possible, but three cups of flour, a cup of sugar, and a cup of butter. How much salt do you think that recipe would take? Less. Most of them are a quarter of a teaspoon a fourth of a teaspoon of salt. That is how much you need to make this big batch of cookies. And of course, that's not the only recipe in the world. There are recipes where you don't want to just highlight sweetness. You actually want to taste the salt. But again, if you've ever had cured meats that they use with salt, it's incredibly salty. Even if you are salting another dish and you want the salt in it, how much do you really use? Maybe think of it this way. Can you imagine eating a salt cookie? Doesn't that just sound, come on, doesn't that sound horrible? Instead of a sugar cookie, you have a salt cookie? You have to have it, but you only need this much. And that, by the way, is the kind of the space you've got to figure out about this metaphor, about Jesus saying, you are the salt of the earth. There is some kind of middle between two extremes. The one extreme where there's none, or it's completely useless, and the other where you're eating salt cookies. Think of it this way. This is what comes to my mind. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about this kind of trying to find a middle as a Christian, as a disciple in this world. What came to my mind was, have you ever met somebody who, who says, you know, that religion stuff? Great. Go to church. That's your thing but don't bring it into the public space, right? And I bet some of you have probably thought yourself, because I thought it too, like, oh, come on. But that is the one side that Jesus himself is addressing here, don't you think? That, I, that side that goes, if you think that being a disciple of mine means that you get to just leave the faith at the church door, then you are salt that is useless in the world. Remember, Jesus' whole project here is the world needs to change. The kingdom of God is better. No matter how good you got it, the kingdom of God is better. So this world needs to repent, turn around, be different. You can't do that if you leave your discipleship at the door of the church. So that's what Jesus is saying. But there's this other side, right? Where you go out in the world and you go, I'm going to be salt. And then what happens when... People feed you salt cookies. 
Nobody likes a salt cookie. And remember, the thing that we bring out into the world, the thing that is the kingdom of God, is supposed to be good news. It's supposed to be something that people like. Not all the time, a little bit of salt, but the whole recipe is not salt. The words I'd like you to think about when it comes to salt, then, is this, okay? We live in the middle between two boundaries. Two boundaries on which, you know, if you go to either extreme, you have sort of fallen off the side of what Jesus says salt is. One side is uh, if you have abdicated responsibility to the world. Your salt has no flavor. It does no good. So there's this boundary of don't abdicate the world. The other side, and this is the word I want you also here, is dominate. The disciples of Jesus Christ do not dominate the world. We are not there to abdicate our responsibility to the world. We are also not there to demand the world eat our salt cookie. We profess that we have the truth, but the promise of God is that that truth is supposed to be good news. And if it tastes like we're serving the world a salt cookie, we're doing it wrong. We are not holding the gospel well. So be the salt of the earth. Have that little flavor of it. Be a preservative. Give people that thing that they need in their bodies for living. But don't think that it's going to dominate the recipe. It does not dominate the gospel. It's not gospel if it dominates. All right, so how do you live in the middle? How do you live somewhere where you are not abdicating or dominating? And that's when we get to the part on life and why I think Jesus is holding them together. For anybody who actually has practiced trying to be a Christian in the world, you've probably already dealt with this. How do I be a person who isn't ashamed or afraid to talk, but at the same time don't feel like it's just about me kind of pulling this power game over everyone else. You're the light of the world. You know what I love about light? Somehow light manages to take up space and take up no space at the same time. Right? Have you ever had blackout curtains? You ever tried to have blackout? You can buy, Richard's giving me a funny look. Blackout curtains. The idea that you could buy curtains that you hang on and they're so dark that you could actually keep the light from the windows coming in totally. And they might do a pretty good job, but the thing about light is that it just, it's going to show up, right? One little crack between the wall and the curtain and the light is still going to get in. It takes up space wherever it goes. And yet it doesn't take up space, at least not in the sense that it's going to control what happens in that room. So if you're trying to find the kind of middle, Jesus goes, okay, you know what, here's the boundaries, don't abdicate, don't dominate. What are you supposed to do? Here's what not to do, what are you supposed to do? Be light. Take up space. But don't control the space. You know, that, that picture of being a city on a hill, is, is a collective one. Have you ever driven, and maybe, I don't know if you guys can see this here because there's so much more population, but growing up in Iowa, I know that if you drove down the highway at night and these little towns were so spread out that you could identify at night where they were, even if you were miles and miles away because you 
you look up at the sky, you'd see stars, but then there'd be these little pockets like clouds of light. And they're lifting up from this town and this town and this town over here. City on a hill cannot be hidden. A collection of those lights in one place is going to light up the darkness. It's going to take up space. Be that city on a hill. And as far as hiding it under a bushel goes, also don't be ashamed of that. You have good news. As long as it stays actual good news and not a salt cookie, you have the good news. And any space that you walk around it, any time that you walk out, you hold that light and it is yours to hold. Your discipleship from God. Salt and light. Wherever you go, think about that. Wherever you go, you are the church of Jesus Christ. You are the light. How it gets represented, salt and light, salt cookie, or just the taste of flavor that it needs, you know, that's, that's the negotiation of being a Christian. It has never been particularly easy to figure this out. You look at the people Jesus is talking to at this time in the early church, and you will find um, a great debate going on. The idea was, how Hellenistic do you get? Hellenistic was a, a word that just meant Roman culture kind of thing. So as a Christian, you get called into this discipleship. Being a Christian at this time is still not the majority or the norm. You're really sort of taking on the task of being different from everyone else around you. And then the debate among early Christians was, so how much do we go back out into this Roman world and act like Romans? And you see it throughout the New Testament as Paul tries to navigate this with, his, with the people of the church. How much do we leave it at the door and then go be, it, be Roman the rest of the time? How much do we actually pull away from the world and say this is unique and different so we can't engage the world. We have to be all salt all the time. Right? They went back and forth, they went back and forth. The Jewish people did it before them. If you, when they were rebuilding Jerusalem and there were some people saying, we've got to be these purists that keep the law because that will preserve, preserve our heritage. And other people were like, we need to live in the world we have now. Right? Jews and Samaritans, this is the debate that went on between these two peoples. You can see it in our own Christian traditions. Uh, there's Anabaptist traditions, and the one that should come probably to your mind immediately is Amish. Right? Advocate the world. I don't know if they're really advocating the world. I don't think that's how they would argue it. But just the picture of get away from it. Versus us, Mainline Christians, Protestant Christians, even Catholics, who went, well, we're still part of the world, right? Historically, this, is, this happened uh, between the words fundamentalist and evangelical. That may not be the definitions anymore, but these were the, the difference historically. A group of people saying, the world's a bad place, we've got to run away from it. Abdicate. Fundamentalist. And then you had another group that said, no, 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 we bring the light into the world. Just be aware that being a person of faith, nobody's ever figured out how to live in the middle perfectly. Everybody's trying to figure something out here. And so will you. 
When Jesus tells us to be salt and light, he's not giving us easy answers. He is giving us a complicated problem on the way to live in the world, on a way to be. I would close with this. Um, My list, I made a list of things that if you haven't realized how hard it is to be a Christian in the world, um, here are the things maybe from the mundane, small, to really important things on where if you decide not to abdicate and not to dominate and to be the light, this is where our moment in history gets really complicated, to be this. Okay? First one, it's December, and the clerk behind the counter says, Happy Holidays, (laughs) instead of Merry Christmas. How do you respond? That tree over there on the green in the advertisement, what should it be called? The Christmas tree or the holiday tree? You hear people talk about the Pledge of Allegiance. Should it still have the phrase, one nation under God? Should Christians say the Pledge of Allegiance? I'm not giving you answers. So if you're nodding or shaking your head, uh, hold on a minute. Uh, should they be saying the Pledge of Allegiance should say under God? When we talk about being pro-life or being pro-choice and what those things represent, how much do we bring the truth of the gospel? What we, first of all, what do we believe about when life begins? What do we believe about life being, how sacred is it really? And in those things, How much do we demand that it be part of law? Our own denomination is on its verge of being unincorporated, meaning like we're really going to just make the Reformed Church in America not exist anymore is is an idea because gay people want to get married. How much do we purify ourselves as a church and say that's not acceptable and how much do we say, no, that is gospel? It's happening right now. And then the last one, this is probably the, just kind of the big societal one for us here in the United States. Separation of church and state. Is that a Christian value or not? If, if I just made that list and at some point in it you went, oh, not that again. I want to encourage you and say, now you're starting to get it. Because when the answers are super simple, like, run away, not even going to do with it, you've, met, you've passed the boundary, right? When it's gotten super simple and said, well, we're just going to get our way, you've dominated and you've gone past the boundary. Delight is a much trickier thing to be. It takes up space, but it does not control that space. So if you are, you've already experienced this life as a Christian, you hear that list and you go, take heart. That's exactly what Jesus is saying when he says salt and light. That experience of being stuck somewhere in the middle Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for sending Jesus into the world. 
And for this call, this call of discipleship, which is often very difficult for us to grasp, guide us through it in our own lives and in everything we do. Help us to be salt and help us to be light. Help us to avoid abdication. Help us to avoid domination, but help us to find the right way to be to follow you as you transform this earth into your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's sing our final hymn this morning, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing.